and the kids' worship is dismissed at this time also. <clears throat> Thank you guys for coming to church. hope you'll turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. We'll begin reading in just a moment after we pray um, at verse 1. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have looked beyond our faults and our sins. And we thank you that you have sent your Son that we are redeemed from our sins and we are truly the children of God because of what Jesus has done for us. May we never, Father, forget what your Son has provided for us. And as we study in these visions that you gave John about Christ's return, not only to, to be the King of kings and Lord of lords, but to rule on this earth for a thousand years, Father, increase our knowledge of what these verses in scripture are teaching and God as I have confessed before your people I confess again that I don't fully understand this but Lord I believe it because it is your word and God you have a plan and your thoughts are above ours and God we just look in faith to this day happening but Father help each of us now as we study your word Father to gain more understanding and may it lead to those that have not yet trusting, trusted Christ as Savior, Lord, may they trust your Son as their personal Savior. And may it lead us as Christians, Father, to commit ourselves that as you sent your Son, he has sent us. And when we leave this place, Father, help us to make a difference in our homes, in our communities, in our workplace, and in our circle of friends, Father. Help that people truly see Christ in us. Lord, bless us in these moments as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me again read these verses. And again, if, if you're a visitor here this morning, we have been studying since April, uh, the end of time. Uh, and it's taken months. Uh, there are passages of scripture, I feel, that are easy to grasp. And there are passages of scripture that we take by faith. And I've told the congregation... I do not fully understand these 10 verses. But I believe that God wants us to have an understanding that his son will come back and he will change everything on this earth in this thousand-year period. So listen as I read these verses. Remember again at the end of chapter 19 of Revelation, Jesus has come back as the king of kings and lord of lords. He has destroyed Satan's armies at the Battle of Armageddon. The beast and the false prophet have been cast into a lake of fire that burns with sulfur. He does not immediately go back to heaven, but he stays on this earth to fulfill what had been promised in many places in Scripture, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, to reign upon the earth. And so that's where we're at, beginning with verse 1. Listen to this, and I think it's very unique that, you know, all of us struggle with temptation, all of us struggle with Satan, but here God sends one angel to take Satan and put him in the bottomless pit. 
Listen as I read these words. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he sees the dragon. And as we've said, there are four different names here for Satan. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him, that he should not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were ended. Now again, I think it's important that you and I understand that Satan is completely removed. He is out of the way of people living godly and righteous lives. And so for a thousand years, he is off of the scene. After that, John says, he must be loose for a little while. Then I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom judgment was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony to Jesus and for the word of God and who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their forehead and on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. And then verse 7, when the thousand years were ended. And again, folks, as we said last Sunday, in verses 1 through 7, the expression A or the thousand years is mentioned six times. And I'm going to take it literally that Christ's reign on this earth will be for a thousand years. In verse 7, when a thousand years are ended, Satan will be loosed from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, that is Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And folks, I think it's very important for all of us to understand that after the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, man will still reject the lordship of Jesus Christ. During that thousand-year period, men still have the freedom to choose Christ or to reject him. And folks, as you and I have noted over and over again, during the tribulation period in, in Revelations uh, uh, 6 through 18, even after judgments from God began to fall upon the world, people would not repent. And even during this thousand-year period, there will be imposters. They will, they will serve Christ because that's something that they've got to do. But when given the opportunity to rebel, they'll join up with Satan. But God knows who the imposters are. Verse 9, they marched over the broad earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And we know that the beloved city, of course, is Jerusalem. So they've gathered together again under Satan's leadership, the unbelievers, to attack God's children in Jerusalem. But look what happens in verse 9. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And again, God's people did not have to battle. God took care of Satan and his armies themselves, himself. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur. Remember again at the end of the battle of Armageddon or at the beginning of the battle of Armageddon the beast, the antichrist and the false prophet have already been cast into the lake of fire and sulfur and now Satan himself will be cast there 
and be tormented day and night forever and ever. Last Sunday, I told you again, in my limited understanding, and again, I'm just being honest with you, I don't, I don't, there's some things about God that we're not going to know until we meet him face to face. And my personal feelings are that God is going to explain everything that we don't understand. We're going to have eternity to listen and know, aren't we? But last Sunday, I told you that I wanted to just share some information that I had gathered from three different sources. First of all, Martin DeHaan, who back in the 60s and 70s, and I don't know, perhaps even today, might still be operating, but he had a radio Bible class ministry. It's a very informative thing that you could hear on the radio, and I used to love to not only hear him on the radio, but also to to look at the little devotional books that he'd give out. But here's five points that Martin DeHaan or DeHaan makes about the millennial reign of Christ. Number one, Christ will be king. You remember we were on this as we ended last Sunday. Throughout the years, mankind has tried to come up with a golden age. And folks, it is not going to happen. You know, last week after, after we studied this passage of Scripture briefly, I said that human hands and human plans cannot and will not give peace and righteousness in our world. And folks, that is the absolute truth. And then the next day or that night, what happens when, when the man murders over 58 or 59 people and injures over 500? And I don't know that they know a reason yet. Folks, mankind cannot produce peace in this world. Only Jesus Christ can because he is the prince of peace. And what John sees here that in Revelation 20, Jesus will set up this thousand-year kingdom on the earth, and it will change all of the earth. Jesus will rule as promised in the Old Testament. Jesus will rule as promised in the New Testament. We read scriptures last week out of Jeremiah 23 and Luke 1. And believers will reign with Christ. Today I want to add more that Richard DeHaan says and then give you some notes from the Full Life Study Bible and then from Herschel Ford who has been one of the commentaries that have helped me. But let me mention again that there's so many passages of Scripture, especially in the Old Testament prophets, that promise this age of Christ's coming. And so instead of having those on the overhead because it would be lengthy for me to read all these, I'll just mention some of the chapters, okay? Richard DeHaan says that Israel also will be a prominent nation favored by God during this time. Jerusalem will be the capital of this kingdom of Christ during this thousand-year period. That's Isaiah 2 and Isaiah chapter 60. And David's throne will be reestablished. You remember we did read last Sunday uh, out of Luke chapter 1 when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said that you shall have a son and he'll follow in the line of David and he'll sit on David's throne. And he was not speaking of the time that Jesus was here on the earth, but that coming time when Jesus would set up his kingdom here on earth. And Jesus' rule will reflect his character. There will be justice for everyone. The world will be very prosperous during that time. Christ will rule in righteousness. And again, all of the prophets mention this. Isaiah, Micah, Jeremiah. The earth will be at peace, Zechariah chapter 8. And people will be safe. 
Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 and 6. And I promise you that I've read these verses. And folks, again, just think about the world that we live in that is so out of control because Satan now is, is going around like a roaring lion. But in that day, Satan has been removed. Satan no longer in this thousand years has any power. And folks, the natural world will be transformed. Now again, I understand all this. No, I don't, but the Word of God spells it out. Listen to this. Climate will be ideal. That's Isaiah 30. Wild animals will be tamed. Tame, Isaiah 11. And, and as I was reading Richard DeHaan, he said, fishing will be great. And I thought, man, I love that part. And I looked it up, Ezekiel 47, verses 9 and 10, and it talks about the abundance of fishes in, in the rivers and all. And you know what that brought to my mind? Look, all the people on this earth, especially the children that are suffering, that are starving, there'll be a time when there'll be no more hunger, and there'll be no one starving to death because God's Son will be for providing. Isaiah 35 says that people will have good health. Praise God for that. Life will be lengthened, Isaiah 65. And honest to goodness, Ezekiel 47, verse 12, trees will provide food, will be given for food and medicines. Again, it's in the Word of God. God will be worshipped. God's name will be great throughout the world, Malachi 1. There'll not be a multitude of gods. There'll be one true God. I saw on the back of somebody's car this past week, in God we trust and Jesus is his name. And I thought, hallelujah. I'm glad that they're making a clear and concise statement about who God is. The temple of Jerusalem will be the center of worship, Ezekiel 40 through 48. And people will come from everywhere to worship the Lord, and all mankind shall come. Isaiah 66, verse 23. What Richard DeHaan is saying, Christ will rule during these thousand years, and Christ's love and justice and mercy and righteousness and peace will be found throughout the earth, and the earth will be what God intended it to be. Amen. Here are notes from the Full Life Study Bible. Seven points I'll mention. This thousand-year reign of Christ was predicted in the Old Testament. Isaiah 9 and 65, Daniel 7, Micah 4, Zechariah 14 are just some of the passages. Satan will be bound during this time, Revelations 20, verse 2 and 3 that we read. Christ's reign will be shared, and this is found in chapter 20 of Revelation, verse 4. And the, the writer of these notes says probably... The ones reigning with Christ will be the overcomers from all churches, from all times. Those that have already been raptured up from the earth that come back with Christ. The Old Testament saints, those faithful during the tribulation, those who have died during the tribulation. Also, Christ will rule over all living on earth when he comes back those born during the thousand-year period of time. And again, folks, I'm getting in areas that I don't fully understand, but folks, this is what John saw. And again, when I say this, I'm just being honest with you, folks. I'm not doubting the Word of God. Please understand my point. If I stood up here and said, I understand all this, and I can tell you about all of it, I'd be a liar. 
because I don't. But let me tell you something. Everything is about faith, isn't it? Isn't it? Forsaking all, I trust him or trust Christ. And folks, I believe that the word of God is trying to teach us that one day we will see Christ Jesus face to face. And he's coming back. And all of these things are going to happen. Can I fully understand it? No. Do I believe it? Yes. His word tells it. His spirit bears testimony with us. These thousand years will be a time of peace and prosperity and righteousness throughout the earth. Nature will be restored to its original order of perfection and beauty. But again, some will choose the way of rebellion and disobedience and will be punished. That's Revelation 20, verse 7 through 10. I'll say more about that in just a minute. But let me just give you some of the points that Herschel Ford says about this thousand years. The reign of Christ will cover everything on the earth. Think about the first coming of Christ and this coming in Revelation 20. The first time Jesus came to earth, he was a poor peasant and had no place to lay his head In Revelations 20, Jesus will come in regal power and majesty as the highest of all. Makes me wonder where the verse that that Paul speaks of in Philippians fits in in all of this. Let me read that verse to you again. You know it well. That at the name of Jesus, let me get back here. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The first time he came, he came as one who would become a victim of lies and deceit and murder. But when he comes back in Revelation 20, he is the victor. When he came the first time, men put him to death. When he comes in Revelation 20, Jesus will rule over all mankind. When he came the first time, Jesus came to Jerusalem at the end of his life where men tried him and beat him and sped upon him and killed him. But from Jerusalem in Revelation 20, he will reign over the entire world. And the thousand years will be the interval between his coming in glory and the judgment of the great white throne beginning in Revelations 20, verses 11 through 15. And let me say this in preparation for next Sunday, okay? After this passage of Scripture, what happens next? John saw a great white throne, that's verse 11. And the lost will stand before the holy God in those verses. Folks, God is giving mankind chances not only in this hour but throughout the time between now and when Jesus comes back, and even during those thousand years, God is giving man the chance to come to him. But if they don't, they'll stand before a holy God, and their sins and unrighteousness will be exposed. And if they've not been washed in the blood of Jesus, they'll be cast into the lake of fire and sulfur. And again, I'm saying that being true to the word of God not trying to threaten anybody or intimidate anybody or scare anybody, but just tell you the word of God. Back to the reign of Christ these thousand years. His reign will be a public honoring of God's Son. In that day, God will highly exalt him and cause the earth to bow before him. God will honor him publicly before the entire world. 
And there's something else that's going to take place during this thousand years. The prayers of God's people will be answered. Last Sunday, I mentioned this, and I want to mention it again. When we said the Lord's Prayer this morning in our prayer time, you remember what we said in Matthew 6, 10, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, folks, during these thousand years, God's kingdom, his son have come, and his will will be done. Folks, we cannot have a kingdom until the king comes back. But in these verses, Christ comes back and sets up his kingdom. So let me summarize these ten verses, okay? For a thousand years, Christ will reign. Christ will place everything good in the world and keep everything bad out of the world. Mankind, though, will still have the freedom to choose to follow Christ or reject him. And in spite of the fact that they will be surrounded by all of the blessings of God and none of the curse of Satan, some will not allow Christ to dwell in their hearts. And at the end of this thousand-year period, Satan will be loosed again for a short season. That's verse 7, 8, and 9. And once again, mankind has an opportunity to, to choose between Satan and Christ. But the nations will flock to Satan. And Satan will gather them to march up against Christ and the people of God in the beloved city which is Jerusalem. Let me read those verses to you again. They're up there on the overhead. If, you, if you'd go back, um, Melissa, to verse 7. There you go. When the, seven, when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be loosed from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are at the four corners of the earth, that is Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. Now, pause right there for just a second. What's going to happen? Will Satan succeed? And the answer to that is no. Listen to what happens. Fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And then John said, The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and suffer where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet... The unholy trinity, as we've talked about, are all now in the lake of fire and sulfur. Satan's career is over. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine no time when Satan would be prodding us and tempting us to turn away from God and rebel against him? Can you imagine a time in which Satan is not ruling over many hearts in this world and causing so much evil Sadly, during this thousand-year reign of Christ, all the blessings that God gives to mankind, Jesus' presence, a world at peace, prosperity, some will still reject the Lord Jesus and follow sin and Satan. I'm just about finished this morning, but let me read. I want to read a paragraph out of Richard DeHaan's booklet. And it talks about the career of Satan. Listen to this. It had all begun sometime in eternity past when Satan had looked with a jealous eye at the throne of God. In pride, he led a rebellion of angels against God and was cast out of heaven. That's Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. 
from the time of his deception in the garden until he was cast into the bottomless pit, he has brought immeasurable suffering to mankind. Now, after 1,000 years of confinement, his hatred of God is intensified. He makes one last desperate attempt to dethrone the Lord. But in spite of all of his power, his faith will be the same as his wicked underlings, the Antichrist and the false prophet, everlasting torment in hell. Folks, reading these verses are very sobering things because we see that Satan and all of his hosts will be defeated and they'll be lost because they have not turned to Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And this morning, before I close the message, I just want to share again the plan of God's salvation. Because, folks, becoming a Christian is a one-on-one thing with God. God has put many witnesses, perhaps, in your path, your, your parents, your grandparents, your children, your grandchildren. Perhaps there's been a co-worker at work that's tried to explain the plan of salvation. Perhaps a neighbor Perhaps watching an evangelist or a preacher on TV, a Sunday school teacher, God has put people in your path to help you understand that God loves him. But have you made a decision? In Vacation Bible School, for years, we've had the ABCs of salvation. We put this on the screen a couple of weeks ago. I modified it just a little bit. But here's the ABCs of salvation, God's simple plan. The A stands to acknowledge and agree with God that we're sinners. Romans 3.23 says, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That's a very bold statement in it. And he's not just talking about when we die at the end of life, but he's talking about dying in the soul, being spiritually dead. But he says... But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is free. It cost Christ his life on Calvary. But it is free to us because it is an act of God's grace, which is unmerited, unconditional love. The B stands for believing that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Two of the most important verses, I believe, in the Bible are John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent the son into the world not to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him. And the C stands for confessing Christ and committing our heart and our life to Jesus. Listen to these verses, Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. Because if you will confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For man believes with his heart and so is justified, and he confesses with his lips and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him shall be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. That means everybody can come to the cross. Everybody can come to Christ. He doesn't turn anyone away. 
The same Lord is Lord of all and bestows his riches upon all who call upon him. In verse 13, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God wants us to have a personal relationship with him through his son who died to enable that relationship, who died taking upon himself the guilt and penalty of our sin. And if we will receive him, we're born again into the kingdom of God. Folks, the Bible is trying to tell us about what's ahead. We don't know how far it is in the future, but Christ is coming back. If you die before he comes back, are you ready to meet him? If you're here on earth when Jesus comes back and that trumpet blast sounds and Jesus says, come on up, we're raptured out of the world, will we be among that number that are taken out because we have asked Jesus to be our Savior? Folks, this morning, I just pray for the Spirit of God to lead you. If you haven't yet made that decision to acknowledge that you are a sinner and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and to allow him to come into your heart and life and be your Savior. I ask you that you would do that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts today. God, I thank you that we do have a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And he is the Son of God, and he came to show the love of God for all that are lost. Lord, we think of that parable of the lost sheep that if only one went astray that the shepherd would leave the 99 that were safe and go and search out the one that was lost perhaps father in these moments there's someone here that's lost they know where they are but they also know they're away from god lord help them even in these moments to know that it is sin that is separating them from you and that by trusting your son is their savior they can become one of your children god please today if there's someone here that doesn't know christ i pray that you would speak to their heart and god i pray for us as christians god thank you for what you've got planned for us thank you that one day we won't have to battle satan anymore in sin and temptation because you've already won the victory for us God, please, in these moments of invitation, if there's someone that needs to come forward and confess faith in Christ, I pray that they would come. God, I pray if there's not anyone here that needs to do that, I pray that you planted another seed in their heart that will lead them one day to trust Christ. And Father, I pray for each of us as Christians. God, may we humbly thank you and your Son for the love that you've given us. In these moments, Father, have your will in your way. For we ask in Christ's name, amen. Our hymn of invitation and decision is number 233, Jesus, keep me near the cross. God is leading you to respond in any way. Would you come? The altar's open if you simply want to come and pray. If you need help in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, I will, others will be glad to assist you and help you. Let us stand. <clears throat>